Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. Hello, everyone. My name is Frank, and I'm the lead pastor here at Connect Church, and we're just so glad that you've joined us today. Um, despite a crazy week on a lot of levels, we had um, a decision with our election. We also have coronavirus cases spiking again in our state, and so it's just a weird time, but thankful for the moments like this where we do get to come together and just celebrate and honor who Jesus is together. Um, I am more excited. Last night, my wife, Rachel, and I were heading out um, for a date because of the last couple of days, and uh, on the way out, I almost tripped over this giant box, three boxes, which shows also how tired I was at the end of the day yesterday, and in them were these incredible headsets um, that you guys have provided for us to drop off at Grace Rogers School this week to help our students um, in our town and in our community be able to learn online um, during this time. They push back learning online for like another month, and so we're giving them supplies and ways that they can do that. The mice, computer mice, are also on the way as well um, so that we can just support them and love them. Again, Connect Church is going to be a generous church. From the beginning, we're laying that out, that we're going to make East Windsor a better place, and we're going to partner with organizations around the world as well to make sure that people understand and know who Jesus is. And even though we're a young church and we're small in comparison to other churches, we already are making a big difference in this town. The school is talking about Connect Church and the teachers and hearing about us providing these things. RISE continues to thank us for the, our generosity as we have been tithing to them each month on what comes into us. And so thank you for helping make all of this possible. Today we're continuing Culture Shock, our series on how faith in Jesus interacts with our culture. And as we get there, has there ever been a moment in, in your life before where you've put something off? Maybe a homework assignment. Um, maybe it has been a text or a call that you know that you should make to forgive somebody. Maybe it is making dinner and you're just so tired that you put it off and you hope that someone will drop it off or Grubhub will come in handy. I am personally really good at putting stuff off. If I don't have a deadline, I will not get anything done. And so the past few months in the beginning were really difficult for me as time and everything kind of collapsed around me. I had to make a schedule where each day I put everything I needed to do that day and I have to in my head check it off or I'm gonna put things off forever. Today, if we're honest, when it comes to our faith, we often do this as well. We say things like, I can do this when I'm older. God can meet me on my terms. I will pray later. I will start a reading plan or a Bible study habit someday. Or once I achieve something, once my kids are raised, I'll take my faith more seriously. Once I reach retirement, I'll, make my, I'll take my faith a little bit more seriously. And if you're a little bit older in the room today, we re you realize that these excuses along the way never really result in growth. That every stage of life, when we say we get to that point, more comes. And it's not any easier to begin to grow in our relationship with God. For me personally, this was a big part of my story. When I hit middle school, um, I honestly believed that faith, knowing Jesus, was just something that you do when you're older. And so I stopped going to church, I stopped going to youth group, and I was like, when I get older, I'll worry about this. 
Thankfully, in middle school, I kind of had two health scares, one with a tumor that grew in my ear and then fracturing my skull um, with a rock and it almost like hitting my brain. And it kind of woke me up a little bit where it was like life isn't guaranteed. We have no idea what tomorrow is going to look like. And so today I need to be diligent in growing in my relationship with Jesus. We often come to church and we feel motivated to do something. Then Monday comes and we're exactly the same. Today we're going to take a look at a story in Luke chapter 14, and I love this story. Um, in this story, it's, it's about hypocrisy. So it opens with Jesus being invited to the house of one of the chief Pharisees. At that time, it was common for people to invite uh, the speaker and the teacher over their house to share a meal together and to kind of discuss what he talked about that day and to grow together. However, in this moment, it wasn't a positive invitation, but they're trying to trap Jesus they bring a sick man into the house and sit at the table with them, and they essentially are saying to Jesus, if you, don't sick, if you don't heal the man, you lack compassion, but if you do heal him, you're working on the Sabbath. And so Jesus walks into a trap here that the Pharisees are setting up, um, but Jesus heals him anyway, and then he says to the man, all right, go away, I need to deal with some stuff here, and so then Jesus begins to reprimand them and to talk on humility. And as Jesus is kind of reprimanding them, one of the guests at the table um, tries to be really spiritual in this moment because Jesus is talking about a dinner and a feast, and he says the line, don't worry, even though this moment might be tense, someday there's going to be a really great feast in heaven that we can all look forward to. And then we get to the passage that we're going to read today. Jesus uses this opportunity to confront the hypocrisy at the table and to teach them how the invitation to God's feast really works. And so with that, we read Luke 14, verse 15 to 24, which says this. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with the story, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field, and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So the master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will, even get, will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Let's just pray this morning and then, or this afternoon and then we'll take a look at it. Jesus, today we just thank you for who you are. God, that, that your spirit is at work among us today. And so as we take some time to study your word, would you just speak to us, guide us, uh, maybe show us some areas where we can still grow to be more like you. In your name I pray, amen. So some different parts of the story. The first one is the invitation is sent out. And we're told that this is going to be an incredible supper. It's going to be, think of maybe the best party that you've been to, one of the best meals that you've ever had in your life. This is going to be that kind of meal. And Jesus is using this feast to illustrate how awesome the feast around God's table is going to be. But in the beginning, the people invited to this party were the cream of the crop. They were the rich and the influential. They were the movers, the shakers. 
Anyone who was invited to this feast was somebody. In modern terms, they would have millions and millions of social media followers. They would be all the people that we look up to who have the biggest platforms. And yet, we're going to read, they all decline the invitation. Again, last week we read Luke 15, which was about our need to seek out and care about those who don't know God. And this chapter before it lays the groundwork for that. Again, it's about humility. We don't think too highly of ourselves, but we see ourselves in kingdom mindset of how God views us. The invitation is then met with excuses. And when a feast at that time of this magnitude um, was put together, the invitation would go out months in advance. However, there wouldn't be a time, um, because at that time they didn't have all the conveniences that we have of great ovens and and all the things that we have. And so they had no idea how long it was going to take to cook the meal. And so you would get an invitation of, hey, this day it's going to happen, but we have no idea when. However, all of these guests did say yes when the initial invitation came out. Each one of them promised that they were going to attend But when the day comes and the servant runs out to say, now is the time for the feast, they all made a last-minute ditch saying, I have a better offer. And as we look at some of the excuses that they made today, I think they're still applicable for us and our relationship and the excuses that we make for growing and knowing more of who God is. The first one is this, the excuse of material possessions. The first man purchases a piece of property He has wealth to be able to do that. And I I think his excuse is so insane to me. I bought a piece of land. I'm going to go look at it now. Modern days, it would be like buying a house without ever looking at it and then saying, all right, I bought this house. I'm going to go check it out. And as crazy as that sounds, if we're honest, I think that is a lot of how of us are, how we are in terms of our faith. This man is a picture of us who are material-minded We refuse to answer the call of the gospel because we're so concerned about what we can get. We're always out looking for more, the next biggest thing. But the problem with that is, is every time we buy something new, we become preoccupied with it. Every fall, the new iPhone comes out and we run to Apple and we get it. And we're all about it for like a month and then it's done. The PS5 is about to come out and the commercials make it look incredible. And then PS6 comes out, and it doesn't matter anymore. And yet, for whatever reason, some of us are just so about the next, the newest, the brightest, the greatest. And we willingly lay aside our relationship with God and growing and knowing him more for the sake of these things. The second excuse is one of professional advancement. This man buys ten oxen. And again, without trying them out. It's crazy to me. He buys 10 of them. He has no idea if they can walk or not. And so he says, hey, I'm going to go see if they can. And But I think more of the heart of this is, is that he's saying, while the rest of you are at this feast, while the rest of you are enjoying being with God, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get ahead of you. I'm going to make sure that my fields are in better shape than yours. You're wasting this time being with God. I'm spending it getting ahead. We allow our occupations and the pursuit of material gain to keep us from knowing God. And I think today, preoccupation with material things and experiences is a common excuse for us not following God. When I just get to this position in my job, then it's time. When I just make this much money, it's time. 
And yet the longer we live, we know these statements are never true. The last excuse is one of personal relationships. This man was a newlywed. He had just gotten married, and he says he wants to enjoy time with his bride. And again, that's not a bad thing, but in this moment we see that his want for a relationship got in the way of his pursuit of God. Today, do you put your pursuit of relationships in front of knowing God? Do you sell out knowing God further for the sake to fit in with people, to find the right person? And as we see with all of these excuses, there is no reason why any of them would not want to be part of the feast other than they just didn't want to. They made excuses. Today, would we check our hearts? In the areas where we're making excuses about growth and knowing God more, would we check where we are and the things that we're deciding to put in front of him? See, the excuses are different, but they're all the same. They keep us from enjoying the fullness of God. We're preoccupied. Again, material possessions, relational occupations, or relational preoccupations. We're chasing romance at all costs. We're making our kids and their success an idol. There's no time to grow because I want to make sure that my kid is on all the travel teams to get the scholarship at college. And for those of you who might be young adults, some of you might love to hang out with people and fill your life with so much relationships and social media that you don't have to deal with the areas in your life that are keeping you from growing. You avoid being vulnerable before God at the sake of relationships. And the last one is fake spirituality preoccupation. Today, are we the kind of Christians who show up on a Sunday morning and we sing and we listen and when we leave here, nothing changes? We play the game that the Pharisees are playing in the story. They say all the right things. They look the right way. But when the rubber meets the road, they never step up and do what they're called to. We do things for God, but we are never with him. We don't follow Christ wholeheartedly. And now after these excuses, we see the host respond. And as the servants come back and say, hey, no one's coming to this party, they've all made excuses, the host gets angry. And right there would we know that, that God, last week we see he's filled with compassion when someone comes to know him. But when we choose not to follow him and to grow and we put other things before him, it makes him angry. It hurts him that we choose things that don't matter and don't last for something that does. And then he says, there's still going to be a feast. He wasn't going to prepare this banquet for nothing. But now he extends the invitation to the overlooked. He extends the invitation to the people that society would put on the B list. And in the context of Jesus teaching humility, we realize we all are the same before him. And it's one of the most beautiful promises and realities that we live in as followers of Jesus. We're all on the same page when we're invited to this feast. All the things in this use to label people as righteous, unrighteous, good, bad, whatever your lines are, right here Jesus is saying they're wiped away. And even today, many times the gospel has the greatest success among those that the world views as the B-list. Right now, the gospel is flourishing in countries all around the world. 
But one of the things most in common with them is that they don't have all the comforts and the privileges and the ability to make the excuses that we do here in America. For them, they're out of excuses. They have nothing else. They need God to show up. They're desperate for him to move. Would that be us? Would we be desperate for God to work in our hearts and in our lives? When we're disrupted and when we are left with nothing, that's when God has room to work in our lives. Today, what are we filling our lives with that make us not have the time for God? Today, what excuses do you make in your faith journey? Maybe for some of us, we live like we're going to live forever. Today, that's not the case. Even for those of us who, li- who are going to live really long lives, at the end of the day, we're, at the end, we're still going to say how short this was. So today, what has your heart? What are the things that have your attention throughout the week the most? Are they material things? Is it work? Is it relationships? Is it laziness? This week, what has had your attention the most? Social media, the election, fear around COVID, all of these things take room in our hearts that's meant for God. And what does this say about our devotion to following God? Do we commit with our mouth and then fail to back it up with our actions? And the last question we need to evaluate around this story is this. Who am I inviting to the feast? Looking back, 2020 is almost over, which is hard to believe. We're getting close to the middle of November now. And and over 2020, who have you invited to be part of the kingdom of God? A lot of us in the new year, we make resolutions and we tell ourselves, this is going to be the year. And now we're almost at the end of it. Who have we invited And I heard something yesterday that I think is even more powerful. The church has turned inviting into evangelism. It's not just about inviting, it's about discipling. Who in this past year have you discipled? Who in this past year have you said, come and journey this with me? And if we're honest, when Jesus says one of the greatest things that we can do as a follower of him is disciples, as followers of Jesus, we make excuses. Christianity doesn't have the best name right now. I'm too scared to talk about this. I don't know enough about this. And the excuses go on and on and on. But again, in this story, we see that when the invitation is declined, God moves on to others. And some of them, and I think even as a church, as we try and reach people who might be like us and they say no, there are other groups of people that we can care about, that we can reach. In the story, they're the poor. can help but will never pay us back. The people that we help and we keep no record of it, we love them just because that's what God calls us to. And even today as we read this story, would we realize that we are the poor in this story too? That God's love for us came to us while we were the poor because there is nothing that we can give back to God to make up for his life and what he's given to us. There's the crippled, those who were deformed, twisted, and broken in their body. Those that society feels uncomfortable being around because you don't know how to define them. They were invited to the party. 
Would we be about going to the people who may make us uncomfortable, who we're not sure how to handle being around them, but would we love them? And then would we also see that when it comes to faith, we are the crippled. We are crippled by our sin and we are unable to get to God, but he saw that and he reached down from heaven and he pulled us up. He invited the blind, those who are trapped by darkness and they need guidance. Would we be the guide that says, come out and come to the light, come to Jesus? Would we also be humble and remind ourselves that before we knew Jesus, we were blind as well? And then those behind the hedges also got invited. And these would be the worst of the worst, the people that they didn't even want to see. They tossed them behind the hedges so that as you walk down the road, you didn't even have to look at them. Those that society wanted nothing to do with today, the people that you may want no association with, you're called to love them. You're called to disciple them. You're called to invite them to the banquet at God's table. For the, for the servant to carry out the master's command in this story, he would have had to get uncomfortable to invite people. Today, as followers of Jesus, would we be willing to get uncomfortable for the sake of bringing people to the feast of God? And know this, there is a cost to this. As Jesus closes out the rest of the chapter, he talks about this cost a little bit. Faith isn't easy. It was never meant to be just something that's a breeze. It's difficult. It's hard. But today, know this. When we live in the fullness of what God has called us to, there is nothing better than it. And so today, as we close out, two ways to respond. The first one is, uh, today you are invited I don't know what you may have walked in the room today, and I don't even know how church may view you. Maybe you're someone who typically wouldn't want to walk into a church. Maybe you're someone who is overlooked by the church. Today, you are invited. God's invitation is for anyone who will respond to him. God has prepared a means of salvation for everyone to come to him. And it's us laying aside our pride, our, our self-righteousness, and to say, I've broken i've made mistakes i've fallen short jesus today i need you today would that be us to respond to say god i i made excuses or i have no idea who you are but today i invite you in and for those of us today who do follow jesus i want to challenge you with a couple things today Again, Jesus closes out the scene here with a discussion about counting the cost of following him. We need to lay aside all these things that we think are important right now in the, in the moment and realize that they're temporal, not eternal. And some of the things that Jesus says to close out the chapter are this, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? He also says you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Today, the excuses that we walk into this room with that keep us from growing, inviting, portraying who God is to those around us, 
would we lay them aside? Today would Connect Church not be one that makes excuses, but would we love big? Would we invite, even though it may not be popular among culture, may we forgive quickly, even though it might be painful? Would we be quick to study the word of God, to learn and to grow and to understand his story and how we fit into it? Would we be quick to pray in moments where we're overwhelmed and we know that we might not have the strength it takes to get through this moment, but that's where we know we need God to show up and move. This week, what areas, what excuses do we need to lay aside? Who do we need to invite? And I wanna close with this. I heard this this week and I thought it was an incredible picture of it. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we love to nibble at the cultural table. And we like to say that we follow Jesus, but then we see the table of all that culture has to offer us and we love to go to it and take a nibble here and there. And we compromise, we make excuses. We know what God says. Would we instead focus our eyes on the kingdom of God? and the great feast that is to come around his table in his presence. Today, let's close out in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. God, you didn't hold on to your right as God, but you laid it down in humility that we would know you. God, this week, would we walk in that same humility? God, the areas in our life that we know that may be broken, where we've made excuses, God, this week, would we lay them aside for the sake of knowing you more? And God, as we do that, would we invite, would we love big, would we make a difference in our families, in our jobs, in our community? In moments where we want to be quick with our tongue and harsh and mean, God, would we pause and remind ourselves of the love that you have for us? Jesus, I image would just reflect brightly through our lives everywhere we go this week. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day. Oh, thank you.